So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans, I'm Norma Jean, and this is Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode 12, and today we're interviewing Kathy Riva, who's an entrepreneur, mom, she does mindfulness in schools in the U.S., and she just happens to be my cousin, which is a really happy coincidence. We actually just met, so it was really great to connect with her, and on a soul level, but also on a familial level, so that was really fun. So we're going to talk to her. I'm going to read one of my toast poems. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. All of the music on the podcast is from my latest album, Bali and Back Again. I draw an original, inspirational, daily doodle cartoon. And you can see all my art, some shirts of my cartoons, all my shenanigans on my website, njloves, that's NJ like Norma Jean, loves.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, listen to all the episodes, share them with your friends, and write us a review wherever you get your podcasts on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud. Uh, It really helps other people find the show. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And here we go. All right, little humans, I'm here today with Kathy Riva. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Norma Jean. So Kathy is an entrepreneur, mom, creator of Joy Boxes, and Celebrate Every Day. She also does some really fun mindfulness with Mission B in New York or in the States. Yeah, and all over the world. All over the world. mostly in New York, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, Kathy, I want to hear a little bit about your journey, because it's a really cool one, right? Like MTV, then you had your own TV show, you're doing events, now we're here in Bali. Um, So how, how did that? like start for you because you're you're from Alabama Alabama I I love it I'm from Mobile Alabama so like you know Sweet Home Alabama was the movie, and that's totally kind of where I'm from. And oh my I'm god, I love from, it! Like my family's from Bio Battery, so if you can think of Forrest Gump and Sweet Home Alabama, that's like my childhood. Oh my gosh, that's so cute! And then um, <gasps> I just always knew I wanted to live in New York City. And when I was 11, I had this I don't know epiphany, if you will, that I wanted to to give people information that helped make their life better. Mm. And I didn't know it at the time. Like, these are words, I put my grown-up words I yeah. put into my 11-year-old self. But I'll tell you this really quick story that kind of gave me the, like, drive to do mm. what I do. So at age 11, I moved into a new house in Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And we traveled every summer to all these random places across the United States. And often against my will, I was, like, stuck on rafting boats. Yeah, like the quintessential American family. summer road trip. Totally. So we ended up, and we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money, so we stayed in motels or we camped out in campgrounds. Yeah. So a motel is kind of like a, a low end, um, like you have a bed and that's pretty much it. And then in a box. Yeah, I've stayed, I've stayed in some cheap motels in yeah. my day. You're lucky if there's like a pool in the parking lot. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in this motel. I'm 11 years old. I still have a security blanket for whatever reason, and it travels with me everywhere. Yeah. And in North Carolina, I think it was North Carolina or maybe Tennessee, we go on vacation and I leave my blanket at the place. And this was back before the internet, before you could Facebook somebody or before you could, before there were even, there was even a way to trace someone. So yeah. this was probably back in the 1980s. Yeah. So in, let's just say 82, I left this blanket in this 
random place. And I didn't even know. So I get back home, fast forward to Mobile, Alabama, and I unpack all my stuff, and there's no blanket. I'm like in tears. Devastated. I'm, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. And my family's kind of religious. Like, they went to Methodist church, so I knew kind of the rituals around religion. So I went to the, the edge of my bed every night once I found my blanket was missing. And I, you know, I did. I knelt on my knees, and I put my hands in prayer position at my heart, and I, I prayed. I said, you know, please, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, bless the bed that I lay on. You know, I've, I've lost my blanket and I please like, if it's meant to be, come back to me. So fast forward like a month, maybe. Yeah. And in the mail. When you were a kid, that's, I mean, that's a like long a lifetime. Time. I've almost forgotten about the blanket by that yeah. time. Yeah. You were like, guys, I've moved forward. Yeah. Yeah. And in the mail, the package arrives, a package arrives and it is my blanket. What? Amazing. So a woman in the motel who stayed in the motel after us yeah. found the blanket, took the initiative to go look through the hotel re- motel register, found my mother's name, or my maybe my stepfather's name, called information, got them on the phone, got the address, went to the post office, mailed this blanket to this me. This wasn't like the motel. This was like a, a good person, like a selfless. This is a selfless Samaritan who just is kind of out there, by the way, thank you for changing my life, yeah. um, who did this one act of kindness that really changed my life. It set me on a, on a, like on a forward motion yeah. to pay that forward. And I knew from that moment on when I received the blanket, which I was like so heartfelt and overjoyed. Right. Like, are you kidding me that this happened? Right. Then I kind of learned the prayer works. Mm. And I was I was curious about that process. Yeah. So that's kind of what started me. I knew I wanted to live in New York City. I knew I, I truthfully, at age 21, I thought I wanted to take over the world, which yeah. I was like crazy. Doesn't everyone at age 21? I think so. Um, I was, I had no shyness factor about me. I actually, um, I worked at NBC at the time as an intern for Tom Brokaw, who's a newscaster yeah, in America. Yeah. And it was a very famous newscaster. And so the news director and NBC, when I'm 21, fast forward to me living in New York, interviewed me and he said, you know, he literally was like a male chauvinist type of person. Looked me up he and did down. The up and down. Yeah, I was from Alabama. I had curly hair. I had an accent. I was in the news business. None of those things really fit his stereotypical image of what a newscaster should be. Mm-hmm. So I, he was like, "What do you want to do with your life?" And I was like, "I want to be on TV, giving people information that makes your life better." And he was like, "Honey, that's not you." That will never happen for you. Oh, like that's not your brand? <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's not for you. You've got, I mean, he didn't say this, but he was screaming out with your accent and your hair and your, you, he was like, you, that's oh. not, that's, he's like maybe producing. <laughs> right. So I'm 21 and I have this like, and stars in your eyes. Yeah. Like totally squashed me like a bug. But that was awesome because it gave me more fuel to the fire. I'm like, well, I'll show him. Yeah. I will be back here in one year doing what you said I can't do. Yeah, exactly. So yay, thank you um, to that wonderful news director at NBC yeah. who like gave me the courage to really like yeah fire up my passion. Yeah, totally. Uh, so from NBC, I quickly learned that news, my method of choice method to get people the information that makes their life better, doesn't necessarily do that. It kind of was like, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. It's more informational and it's more about the getting the attention than the bettering of the life. Yeah. It's not what you're going to do with the information. It's just the information. It's just information. And it's information from a negative perspective, at least back in the 1990s when I was doing yeah. reporting. Well, news, you know, yeah, it can be like that. And I know a lot of people that are like, I just can't watch the news anymore. You know, it's the Trump show. It's the Trump show in America. But it's gotten, I will say... 
in now at 2017, it's mm. so much better. There's more positivity coming out. Yeah. There's a lot of really like CBS has terrific. It's an American station has yeah. terrific. Uh, positive news reporting. So I just, I think that there, there yeah. are good things happening. Yeah, with the internet, there's also that diversity. Yeah. Yeah, you can find the angles that match Yeah, it. I mean, there's leftist media, there's rightist media, you know, there's really central. And I think there's also a lot of niche media and, and shows and expertise that come off, not just about mainstream things, but about like niche expertise, like Food Network. Yeah. Like that's huge now. That's huge. Right? And who doesn't love a great meal? Yeah, right? exactly. So, and that's really what I'm about, community. So like, Food, community, information, all of that ties into how I got to kind of sitting here in Bali with you today, just looking for the right way to bring connection back to other people and a bigger message. Exactly. Okay, cool. So I want to talk a little bit about joy boxes. Joy boxes are your baby. Yeah, it's my passion project. Joy boxes. Okay, so what exactly is a joy box? So um, fast forward to I was a news reporter for a long time, Mm -hmm. and then I discovered news wasn't my passion. So I went into producing television, which Mm was awesome Mm because I got to tell some really great stories. Mm -hmm. And then in the youth of my 20s, realized that there were a lot of layers to production, television production, and I wanted to like... I wanted instant gratification, so mm. I jumped into celebration of events. Okay. So I produced events after kind of my TV stint. Okay. Doing event production has led me to joy boxes because after 10 years of doing amazing events from mm-hmm. like my mom's 60th birthday to a $7 million, you know, quinceanera for a lovely Texas lady, right? I saw the gamut of people's joy. Yeah. And it led me to question my own joy, mm. and it also led me to... To wonder and my curiosity is like, okay, if people choose to bring joy to a party, then why don't they choose that more often in their life? Right. It's a choice. Right. You see it. When you go to a party, if you're invited to a party, you're often happy to go and you get there and your spirit is lifted and it is this joyful celebration. Unless you're an introvert and you're like, how do I get out of this? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's true. But the feeling inside of being invited (laughs) sparks joy. The being invited is nice. It is. It is. It sparks joy. You're right. It's that feeling of belonging, I think. Yeah. It's the feeling of belonging. So joy boxes, um, I went on kind of this really fun... Um, serendipitous tour of asking all these great minds um, how they find joy. And I read lots of articles and I really studied all these really cool masters of people. Yeah. So it was like Malcolm Forbes, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, and a lot of other really inspirational figures mm-hmm. that seem to live a very joyful life. Yeah. So Joy Boxes is the result of what their success is, what, how they actually produce success. Like it's the tangible objects that you could have and incorporate into your life. Okay. And then the practices around that. So what specifically did you glean out of that? So in terms of the people that you talked to, like what were the commonalities in terms of, you know, what are some things that bring most people joy? Yeah. So what I found in asking all these really terrific questions is that most successful people have a practice, um, a consistent practice of you can call it meditation, but they didn't call it that. They had a practice of knowing themselves and okay. mostly they did it through intention setting. So Deepak Chopra does a meditation or a yoga session yeah. every day. The Forbes family plays golf. You know, the people I spoke to who work with Tony Robbins are like actively engaged in moving their bodies. Mm-hmm. And that is their form of meditation. So the first aspect is intention setting and consistently doing it every day. So mm-hmm. in t- whatever your intentions are, just consistently like going internally and then listening and then that practice daily 
And then the next thing that these guys do, these people do, mm. is they, they like to have fun. They they allocate fun in their life. So whatever mm. that is for them, they have fun. They're playful. Yeah. It's so funny because as adults, you know, we're kind of trained like, all right, guys, you know, you're you're earning money, you're paying bills, like, you know, and I feel like fun and play are things that people subconsciously feel like they have to forfeit. Yeah. It seems to get swept under the rug. It does. It's like the first thing to go, right? And you're like, okay, well, you know, for me, like play is everything from, you know, like let me read a book to let me go for a walk to let me, you know, meet up with some friends or like let me play some bridge. I love playing bridge. It's like my, it's it's my secret totally nerd hobby. Like I love it. I don't have a bridge group here in Bali, but like I love to play bridge. I love it. I love cards. So you can teach me bridge and I'll <laughs> yeah, play yeah. with you. Bridge is great. But it's one of those things where, you, you know, as a kid, right, you have all of this opportunity and time to play, right? Yeah. You have time to create those experiences where your brain gets to shut off yeah. and create and have fun and relax at the same time. That's right. But yeah, that's exactly it. Like play, and it means something different for everyone. Mm. It's just that space where you feel in most service to yourself. And almost well, your like inner that. child, in right? In most service to yourself. Yeah. It's like that space where you're like... I just get to be me. I get to do what I want. And have fun. And have fun while I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So so it's movement, it's daily intention setting, and then it's it's play. It's play. And that could be different. It's it is different for everyone. It's different for everyone. So what are some examples of play that people that people use? So everyone really has a unique sense. So Tony Robbins, for example, lives his life in service. So he really loves his, he's passionate about what he does. So the people mm-hmm. I spoke to around him, you know, they're passionate about helping people mm-hmm. and he plays, you know, he loves his routine so much. That's his play. So he takes like, you know, cold, he immerses himself in cold water and he like oh, really yeah, does yeah. all of these amazing things mm-hmm. that truthfully to me sound uncomfortable, but for him are his version of play. Yeah. And other people I talked to did different sporting activities. So whether okay. they played basketball or whether they played golf or whatever, however they took time for themselves, that's yeah. kind of what they were focused on. And then the other thing that I forgot to mention, in- incorporating into movement is uh-huh. breathing. Breathing. Conscious breathing. Which sounds like such a basic thing, right? Like we all clearly it's working out for both of us well. We're still alive. Yeah. So how how could breathing be a thing? <laughs> yeah, 30 years and counting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so conscious breathing was a really active part of every single person um, that I spoke to. And mm. they would just take a breath in, yeah, focus on it, and follow it through. And they focused on that. Yeah, just because that was that was grounding for them. So getting back into their body. Yeah, which goes along with the movement sector. It's yeah. kind of like ta- in, in tandem with that. Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, the body is such an integral part of how happy we are and how in touch with how we actually feel. But it's one of those things where we don't always acknowledge that. Right. And that's like, I'm such a nerd. Like, I love the neuroscience behind our human form. And I love like everything that it kind of comes along with being human, which just sounds so silly, right? Because we're clearly we're human, but, no, but we've got these meat bodies. That's yeah. what I always call it. Like right. you are walking around right. in like a human right. suit of meat. Right. Like, yeah, that's exactly right. And right. let's investigate right. what's in there. With like nerves and a brain and biosynaptic. I yes. mean, yeah, like Star Trek stuff. Like we have a heart that beats every day without us having to, to tell it to do that. Yeah. Something's working really well for us. And we're not like figuring that out. Or maybe we, there are great brains who are figuring it out, but 
as me, little Kathy Riva, I want to know more. So yeah. I went to school. I studied under Mission B, mm-hmm. and they I got to learn the neuroscience of how our brain chemistry really affects our nervous system and how that affects our behavior and how that affects how we feel yeah, and how we handle anxiety and how we handle just resilience in general. And what I found with all these successful people is that yeah. they're very resilient. They adapt to change like, like no one's business. Like they're able to kind of, I don't want to say go with the flow. Cause situational seems- awareness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that for me mm. led to an investigation mm-hmm. of kind of the neuroscience of, you know, where all the terrific parts of our brain that give us creativity and, you know, problem solving, mm. like how do we tap into that more? So yeah. joy boxes is kind of the, like a little mm. gateway, a little mm. window into what I learned about how to, how do we live more fuller human being lives? Yeah. Cool. So what are some things that are like in that or that you, that are in the, what's in the box? So what's in the box? Um, so in the box are, it's, you can custom make your own, but the okay. options are the intention setting tools are anything from intention water. I went to this really great healer. I have to say, like, I love a lot of my life because I've had these terrific experiences yeah. that just kind of add into like, outside all the, richness. the box. Stay yeah. wild. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Yeah. I made a box to go outside the box. So I met John of God, who is this amazing Brazilian healer. Yeah. And he has a place in um, a small area in Brazil. Mm-hmm. He comes to New York City uh, or New York, New York. There's a really beautiful retreat called Omega. And he, when you go to spiritual surgery, which is what he does there. Mm-hmm. Or he does psychic surgery? He does psychic surgery. Okay. So John of God, I think we haven't mentioned him before on the podcast, but I think internationally he has quite a big following. Huge. And in Brazil, people go and, and he heals them through divine surgery, but it's, it's non-invasive. That's yes. exactly right. Okay. So in my brief experience with him, he gives intention water. You leave there with John of God water, oh, okay. which is you give, you're given instructions to drink it for 30 days with an intention every morning. Okay. Every morning you take a sip the size of a thimble uh-huh. and you put an intention every day for what you want your day to be, what it's you want. It's the same intention for the whole water? No, it could be whatever your personal intention is. Well, you change in, it every day. In John of God, yeah. it's for healing. Okay. So in the... And the ethos that is his world, mm-hmm. the water specifically for whatever you want healed. So I really just kind of went on a curiosity mission and I didn't luckily have any major yeah. um, healing needs, but right. I just you wanted like, to be right. of service to the world. That's kind of where I want to go in my life. So I would just drink, you know, how could I be of service today? How could I be of service today? Please like guide me in the right direction to help people. Okay. Okay. So you have the same intention every day with the water. Yeah, I did personally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you have to, but okay. so back to joy boxes. So the intention setting tools are, you can do intention water. You can do intention writing. Mm-hmm. You can do intention. Uh, there's a mala bead that you can actually do intention kind of prayer in mm-hmm. the morning. Yeah. We've talked about mala beads before on the show. Mala beads are from a Rudraksha tree. So that's a seed that falls from the Rudraksha tree. And I think it is has to do with the Buddha. It's on a previous episode of Stay Wild. So, but they're, they're very spiritual in traditional Hindi and Buddhist traditions. So you have a mala bead and you set your intention with the mala bead. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't know that about mala beads. So thank you for that. Oh, I knew yeah. it came from India. I knew it was a really hallowed tree, but that's so yeah. cool. Thanks yeah. for that. I love learning. <laughs> so the intention setting part is, it's really just reminders to help you start your day with consistency, right? So yeah. They, there are notebooks, there are mala beads, there's crystals, there's um, water. And then the next kind of element that we offer are 
alternative healing path. So okay. whatever resonates with you. So if you like beautiful jewelry, we have intention jewelry. So mm-hmm. if you want to be heart centered, we have rose quartz necklaces with a little kind of messaging that's specific to whatever your intention or whatever your needs are, whatever your gift is you want to give to someone, mm-hmm. you kind of can customize the box. So it's got jewelry. The it's most got... people give the box as a gift. Yeah. It's... Oh, well, okay. you know what? I, I take it back. I think that a lot of people take it for themselves. That's, that's the original intention. Yeah. But what I found is that it became a gift giving yeah. box as well. It's so funny. Cause, um, before we started recording, we were talking about receiving, yeah. right? And so it, it's, it's always easier to give someone a gift than it is to be like, I'm going to get myself a gift. That's exactly right. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I often think we give what we need to receive. Oh, that's, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. So there's intention. There's um, play. Play. So okay. wait for fun. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite things I discovered. There's something called wishing paper and it's little, it's a little Asian package that, um, that I found in a store in the United States, but, um, you can get it online and it is a piece of paper mm-hmm. that you kind of curve into a circle and you, you write your wish on it, whatever your fun wish is. It can be anything from, you know, I want my mom to feel better or I want a million dollars, whatever right. your wish is. So so then you roll it up, you light it on fire, and it flies through the air like a bird, and it disappears. Wow. So fun. That's cool. So I have a few whimsical elements that you can incorporate into your life for play. Mm-hmm. And it's really just to remind people mm-hmm. that they should follow their play. Yeah. And, you know, that might not be your idea of whimsical fun, but the idea is just for you to think about what that is for you. Right. Tune in to yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And discover what that is. That makes so much sense. Cool. Okay, so really quickly, I want to kind of touch on what, for a lot of people out there, right, it, there's a lot of kind of like, there's a nebulous of terms, right? So intentions are things that you set every day or, or things that you intend, right? But what's the difference on a practical level from intention setting and goal setting? Mm, that's a great question. I think, in my personal experience, yeah. I'm struggling with this actually in real life right now. Goals, Mm. I attribute to having a lot more action behind them. Mm. So let's just say, I want to climb to the top of a volcano today and here are the action steps that are required to meet that goal. Right. So that is my definition of goal. Yeah. Intentions are a little more graceful. Okay. So I would like to go scuba diving off the coast of Bali to a dive called the Liberty, but if it doesn't happen, that's okay. If it does happen, that's a bonus. So my intention is in the universe to to allow the universe to support that to happen if it's meant to be. Okay. So it's more of the putting the energy there and then if it happens, it's supposed to. And if it's not, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. It's a little less action-driven and a little more heart-centered. Okay. Like there's more trust there. There's more trust. So you're doing what you need to do, but you're also trusting that the universe is going to show up if it's meant to be. Yeah. Cool. That's exactly right. That's my definition. No, I like that. That's a good definition. Cool. Okay. So you went on this whole journey. You're like, okay, the joy boxes, it's happening. You started this project and, and from there, right. You said that it's tied in a little bit with celebrate every day. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, that really has to do with joy as well, right? Like joy and celebration. And you came from a background of planning celebrations. That's right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that and how that kind of came to be. So celebrate every day. I have to thank my friend, Gina Kaplan and my husband, Mark Bloomgarden, because they really pushed me to kind of incorporate my, my curiosity and my situational living into a bigger platform. So Mm. I started blogging 
about all the fun ways to celebrate every day. Um, mm. So I had a child. I also should thank Riley Bloomgarden because this mm. probably really was birthing her, gave me the courage to birth, celebrate every day. And it was just, what can I do with my child? What can I do in the event world to appreciate the moments that we have in life? And it doesn't have to be the big moments where you turn 40. Woohoo! Um, it could be the small moments where yeah. you just had a really great breakfast cooked by a Balinese woman and, and yeah. tried something new. Yeah. Um, so how do you reframe your thoughts? How do you, um, how do you kind of reposition your thinking to find the positive, mm-hmm. but not in, uh, I'm going to force my feelings to be happy type of way, but into really just to listen and be grateful. It's a gratitude practice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And that started for you because you were celebrating things every day with people. That's right. So I would throw these magnificent events mm-hmm. and really get to be embraced in people's joy and was such a, a lucky person to actually be invited in to celebrate people's joy because that's a gift Yeah, uh, into itself. And so when I was creating and planning and dreaming for other people or in collaboration with other people... I just got inspired to mm. to do this on a more daily basis because if a person could choose to go to a party and have joy, again, like how can they choose it in their daily life? Mm. And then celebrate every day was already kind of in existence. So I wanted to I wanted to do the inward search. So it became like not just the celebration of your external joy, but how can we celebrate inside? How can we celebrate our feelings? How can we really trust that what we're feeling is true? Yeah. So that's really now what celebrate every day has evolved into is really just kind of the internal like celebration of ourselves. Cool. So it went from the external of having this background of producing beautiful big events, but you know, all over the States and into finding that celebration every day. That's right. Yeah. Got it. And how do we celebrate ourselves? Right. Because the most successful people on the planet do. And it's not in a selfish, it's not in a selfish, like I am the most important person ever. Mm -hmm. It is more just in honoring what is going on for them in the moment. They honor themselves so that they really speak up for when they need to be spoken. They need to speak up. They, they know, they, they know themselves so well. I'm sure Oprah would, if you watch any of her great talks, like she really, you know, puts herself in terrifying situations, but she listens to her instincts and her gut feeling and she prays every night. Yeah. And I think part of, as a culture in the United States, especially Mm. adding in that component of trusting yourself and getting Mm. back in touch with your own rhythms and your own feelings and being okay with all of that is juicy for me. Totally. It it lights me up and it gets me excited and it it just, um, really nourishing. Yeah. It's nourishing. And it's the journey I'm on. Absolutely. Okay. So what are some things that people do to celebrate themselves? Like you interviewed a lot of um, people that are really kind of at the top of their game. Yeah. And what are some things that, that people do, especially people at the top of their game to celebrate themselves? Right. That's a great yeah. question. So they really just honor themselves in the moment. Like, like a proverbial, like pat yourself on the back kind of a thing. Not really. I think it's more, you know, they listen to their inner voice. So Warren Buffett has a great, I'm not going to remember the quote. It's so good. Paraphrase. Um, the, the the Warren Buffett basically invests in companies based on their ethos. Like if the company does good, he invests in them. Right. And his definition of good is gives back to the planet or helps, you know, benefit someone in some way. Right. And he learned that. I think, 
I, I believe, I don't remember if his father was a, a religious man or, but he believed in listening to his gut. Like he was taught, mm. he was trained. I think his father was a really big believer in um, just following what your feelings were and, and trusting them. Mm. So Warren Buffett does that quite successful. Yeah. Um, Walt Disney, his dad was definitely a Baptist uh, minister and was oh, wow. so that. fascinating. He believed in imagination and dreams and following that from from an instinctive level. So I guess to make one's leap into how to translate that into your life is to get, so I do a practice every morning and we do it with kids. So when I took the mindfulness class, Mm -hmm. we instruct people to get in touch with themselves by kind of closing your eyes every morning. You'd be done the shower, Mm -hmm. be 30 seconds. Doesn't have to be like a 20 minute commitment. Yeah. And you just do a body scan Mm -hmm. and you slow down and you just start from your forehead to your feet, mm-hmm. and you just start to feel: Are your shoulders tight? Are your yeah. knees tight? Is your jaw clenched? Is your neck stiff? Yeah. And you just the awareness is enough to change things. So that is kind of the first level of of just being aware and following your instincts, getting to know yourself. Cool. Okay. And and you kind of train to do that with. Uh, a company called a nonprofit called Mission B. Yeah. So Mission B E, right? Yeah. B, like to to be, right? Yeah. To be like, or not to be? To be. <laughs> we're human beings, not human doings. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So we have kind of progressed, at least especially in the West, into human doings. And what I learned from my amazing mentor, Corinne Winter, hmm. is there's neuroscience behind mindfulness. There's, there's a reason there's scientific evidence to how our bodies react when we pay attention to ourselves, when we honor ourselves, when we listen to our rhythms of life. And that, that was a gift. Like, so she does an eight to 12 week course in Mm -hmm. schools all across the world, Mm -hmm. but mostly in California and the New York tri-state area where we go in and the education is broken into these classes these specific sectors. And like the first one is just the five senses. Okay. The second one is just doing, you know, breathing. The third one is, you know, kind of reframing thoughts and what if thoughts. Mm. And this is a non sequitur, but I'll kind of jump into a great example for children and how this practice has really already shown like my, you know, amazing amazement at how kids can incorporate this. And Mm. I can only imagine grownups could even benefit it from it as well. But I taught at a really great, I've taught at many great schools, but one school in particular in New York had, it was a group of sixth graders. Mm -hmm. So I had these two boys and we had to reframe thoughts. And what happens is when we go into schools, we give them the tools to do this problem solving. So I'm just kind of a facilitator. I don't I try and just kind of create the tools. Right. And the you hold the space. I hold the space. That's exactly right, Nama Jean. Okay. So these two little boys were reframing thoughts. Dan and Matt, I think, were their, their names. Cute little redhead. We'll give them generic names. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. So <laughs> this little boy was just so brave. Um, he wanted a thought reframed. And his thought was, what if I am shy and have trouble making friends and I don't have a lot of friends? And this is a brave thing to say That's, I yeah. think, in front of your peers. Yeah. To be like, what if, yeah, I mean, I have trouble putting it out there. Yeah. But don't we all like, you know, yeah. whether it's in sixth grade making friends or whether it's as an adult dating or starting a job or being in the workplace, like com- it's that camaraderie and communication with people. Yeah. It's think- hard to create that for 
he, like a lot of people, most people in most, some circumstance, most people, myself included. Yeah. Same. I mean, yeah. you know, you walk into a room and you're like, nice to meet y'all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. So he's 11 and he and just so like went says there. this. And yeah. so this other adorable 11 year old or 12 year old reframes it for him. And he says, so in the moment, what if you're not the only one? What if everyone has this problem, but some of us just take the first step and we have a little more courage. And you could tell this other little boy, the That's redhead, amazing. had no, had never thought. He thought he was alone. He thought he was the only one who ever felt that way. He thought he was the only one. Okay. So in this community that we created, in mm. the sixth grade classroom, this other little boy was able to give this child peace. And perspective. And perspective. Yeah. And, and it was like, you could see the little boy's shoulders drop and his breath got bigger. And he yeah. was just like, I never thought of it that way. It's so funny because... That's incredible, but it, it, it's so funny because the difference between how we see ourselves and how we see other people, things that other people are, we perceive them to be much better at than we are, sometimes they're only slightly better. <laughs> yeah. They're only like, a half step better. And you're just like, oh, we're all kind of in this together. We're all in it together. And that is my dream for Joy Boxes, for Celebrate Every Day, for Mission B, mm. is to create the community with collective knowledge that makes us feel connected and yeah. better. Makes our lives better. Makes our lives better. Yeah. I like it. So with Mission B, you go into schools mm -hmm. and you talk about mindfulness. Yeah. Is that, and do you do exercises with the kids? And We do. So it's, it's driven towards children. So it's not like sitting on, you know, in lotus position with your fingers, like at a, a mudra. Yeah. Cause kids absorb things differently. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and kids are more active and they need yeah. to have fun. Right. So let's get back to that play a little bit. Yeah. So Corinne has created this, a beautiful curriculum that incorporates movement. So we do okay. this great trust exercise. Okay. So one of the fun exercises is called car and driver and the kids have to get together and uh -huh. one puts the hands on the shoulder of another child okay. and the one uh, has to drive the car with his eyes closed. And the other one whose hands are on the shoulder pushes the child ah, and they, so they all navigate. do it together in a large classroom of 30 kids. You're not supposed to hit a desk or hit a child. So the person who's navigating yeah. has to kind of really be mindful of the environment and the person in front of them. And the person who has their eyes closed has to keep their eyes closed. Which yeah. really has a trust. Yeah, there's trust. That's so trust. that is such a fun example of yeah. just you know how we take mindfulness out of the, you know, kind of stoic position and make it a little more kid friendly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And with celebrate every day, um, are you, do you incorporate a lot of those techniques, not sp the specifically the ones for the kids, but do you, do you incorporate a lot of mindfulness into the practices around that in terms of, um, what you do every day and how to create that gratitude practice? Yeah. So, so I'm a work in progress, you know, yeah. like I am, we all are. Yeah. I am, a, I am a true work in progress. And some days I do really well with my mm -hmm. mindfulness practice and my and celebrate every day. Mm -hmm. And then some days I really do poorly. Um, and I try not to beat myself up on the days that I don't do, uh, as well as the days I do. Yeah. And that's kind of the journey for me is really to just be at peace with, uh, with how I take in the moments, um, and give them out. I mean, look, I will give you an example of how mindfulness has helped me. Yeah. Uh, so my daughter is an amazing 10 year old mm. and we live in a town where the bus picks her up to go to school and drops her off and at the end of the day. So I, we moved to a new town last year and the bus was a new thing for us because that was not how she got to school before. So one morning 
she woke up late, slept late, had trouble getting her stuff together, her homework bag, her shoes, all that organized, and she missed the bus. We missed the bus. You missed the bus. Missed the bus. Okay. So pre-Kathy Riva, before uh, 10 years of mm-hmm. struggling mindfulness technique, probably would have been freaking out. I had yeah. a work meeting that morning that okay. I had to be at in New York City. We okay. don't live in the city proper anymore. Yeah. Had to make a train. Had a big day. Really didn't have the time. Didn't didn't have the time to miss a bug. Take her physically to drive yeah, her to yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-mindfulness Kathy Riva probably would have screamed at her. I would have been like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, like, like the quintessential. You knew how to get your shoes on. You knew how to make, yeah. like, this is not like a first day experience. Yeah. Post mindfulness, Kathy Reva, this is what I did. I was very proud of myself. So this is the moment I give because I hopefully all parents no, can I relate love this. to it. So I came down and I have this feeling inside of my body and it's anger and I am frustrated because I am partially responsible because I know she's 10 and she needs help and I was yeah. busy getting my day ready. So yeah. I kind of was like left her to her own devices. So I am angry. Well, what do you do with that anger, right? If you don't take it out on the person who's next to you, what do you do with it? So I've been taught that it's an energy that needs to come out. Yes. So you can do lots of things with it. But in this moment, I chose to make a, I went to the bathroom and made like a crazy growling sound. Like, yeah. And I had to do that several times um, before I was not as angry. Yeah. Uh, and then once I did that, I had the presence of mind and space in my, in my prefrontal cortex mm. to go back down and say, you know, Ryan, we missed the bus. Next time we can do it better. What are some ways we could do it better next time? Maybe we can make a list of the things you've got to do, a checklist. Right. To How do we sure. learn from this? How do we learn from this? And then let's get out and get to school right now. And guess what? We made it to school. I made the train. I made the meeting. I wasn't angry. It all just kind of flowed once I like let go of the feeling. But the feeling had to come out. Yeah. Feelings matter. They're signs. They give you their guidance, their guidance posts, like their little touch tones to yeah. say, you know, this is happening for you. You need to find a, an outlet for it. And so anyway, that's how I handled that. So that's how my celebrate everyday practice goes. It's not perfect. No, I still no, yell. I, I love that. I still yell. We're still, still humans though. I mean, yeah. like, you know, we're not here to, to be perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We're here to be ourselves, right? And yeah. our, our human selves who get sad and get happy and, you know, get angry. And, you know, some of us even deal with things like mental illness or, you know, yeah. physical illness. And we're not here to live lives of perfection. That's right. We're here to eat the cake. Yes. You know, Amen we're, to that, to, sister. We're, we're high-fiving on this. We're here to, you know, we're here to eat the cake. We're here to get angry. We're here to, yeah, you feel know, it but all. have that joy, have that passion, you know, but also tap into that. So yeah. it's really interesting what you said. As women, I find that it's actually come up for me. I did a, I did a self-care training here last month in Bali with one of my teachers. And we went through a couple exercises because as women, I feel like we don't have as much permission, maybe from ourselves, maybe from society, yeah. to be angry. That's right. Yeah. Like, what is that? Ooh, I mean, I'm from the South, so I'm from Mobile, Alabama. So yeah. anger was not acceptable as a behavior, especially in my upbringing. Like Ever. for women. For, for, yeah, for women. That's right. For women. For me, at least in my experience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I can relate to that. And, um, anger scared me. I actually did this beautiful workshop, uh, because is a organization, um, a, a couple actually that created this company that does network chiropractic work and they do retreats. They're this amazing couple, David and Kathleen Graham, mm-hmm. uh, or David Mailer and Kathleen Graham. And, um, 
And they showed me that anger is a natural emotion and how to take away the fear from it. But before I did a workshop with them, I was terrified of anger. It scared the shit out of me. Sorry yeah. to use that four-letter word, but it was that. I mean, I, I actually, the first time I made that noise that I just did earlier, I cried. I that noise. I cried. Yeah. I was so terrified to make yeah. that noise the very first time. I sobbed. I sobbed because I was. I had so much, so much of yeah. repressed anger that was inside of me. I was so angry. Yeah. And I didn't know. Yeah. No, it's the same. And it's so interesting, you know, for... As, as women, especially, you know, we're kind of taught that we, we, we're allowed to be sad, you know, we're allowed to, to feel other emotions, but we're not allowed to feel anger. Like it's not appropriate. And we get angry. We you get know? angry. We get angry. And it's, and it's important to let your, not even just your emotional body, but your physical body go through that cycle, yeah. right? That stress cycle of, of anger right. to release it. Whether you're making the er sound or whether you're, you know, screaming into a pillow or whether you're journaling, that does it too. Or even writing, right. Or even journaling or or going for a walk or, you know, whatever it is, but allowing yourself to move through that. It's just like, whoa. And it's, it's one of those things that's so obvious, but that we don't talk about a lot, you know, and we're not taught. Like we don't have like a anger class. I mean, maybe there's such a thing as anger management, but like, this is not that this is living. I don't want to manage my anger. I want to feel my anger. Cause yeah. guess what's at the other end of anger passion. Yeah. So if you can get through the anger, then that's where the good sex comes. Passion from. Yeah. Yeah. is at the other end of it. And then that's <laughs> laughter, yeah. which I never knew until really David Mailer uh, took me under his wing and Kathleen Graham showed me that you could get to the other side of anger. And it's okay. And yeah. the laughter is at the end of it. Laughter. I yeah. mean, I, I've had sessions when I like, I'm just like, and then I cry. And then I start hysterically laughing because that is like the scope of emotion. And that's, and there are no words to that really. It's mm. just, that's just the feelings that were coming out that needed to be released. Right. And sometimes you don't have to label things. Yeah. You can just go through them. Yeah. That's it's, right. It's really interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I think. It's one of those things where, you know, when we have that fear about what's on the other side of it or what's going to happen if I let myself feel angry, a lot of the time it's, there's no rational fear around it, right? Like what's going to, what's going to happen at the end of it? Well, you'll still be you. You'll still have feelings. You'll still, you'll, you will have just processed it. Yeah. That's exactly right. But it doesn't always feel that way. No. At the time you're like, (gasps) it doesn't. And you feel stuck. Yeah. It's so interesting. What are some things that, that you use or that you've learned, especially from, from all the different things that, things that you've done to help people process, uh, specifically anger, but just emotion in general? That's a, you know, it's my favorite thing right now because I'm learning it in my own life. Hmm. And I think that the biggest thing for me is, is anger focus. So with children, uh, another really great thing to do, actually, this is good for adults too. It's called a sumo walk and a, a wonderful healer named Tom Monty taught me this. So Tom Monty is like this. He's basically a living Buddha. He's just so, incredible. <laughs> he's so incredible. But the sumo walk is where you ground your feet to the floor. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're in 12 stories of concrete or you're uh, actually on the grass, terra firma. Mm-hmm. You ground your feet to the floor. You kind of bend your knees, and mm-hmm. your sacrum is kind of like where you're focused on, you're, yeah. you're thinking about, and then you start going. I love it. Like a sumo wrestler. Like a sumo wrestler. Oh, did I totally screw that? Story? No, no, you're fine. So a sumo wrestler, It is. it is literally the weight of your body connecting with the earth and grounding 
And that energy will kind of help you process whatever the emotions are. And sometimes if you just need to be grounded, maybe it's not anger, it's like nervous energy or if you've had anxiety, yeah, anxiety or just grounding yourself with the earth mm. is amazing. It does amazing things. Yeah. And so that is a great practice. I like that. I'm going to get my sumo walk on. Yeah. <gasps> 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 I love it. I love it. Cool. Well, we're going to take a short break. Um, and then when we come back, Kathy's going to tell us where you can find all her stuff and some more tips for how to process emotion and be more mindful. All right. Thanks, Kathy. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter. All the music on the podcast is from my latest album, Bali and Back Again. I draw a daily inspirational cartoon on my Instagram at Norma Jean Loves Doodles or on my website. You can see everything that's njloves.com, nj like Norma Jean Loves.com. And if you are digging Stay Wild, please subscribe, write us a review, share it with your friends. It really helps other people find the show and grow the community. And let's get back to the show. All right, we're back, everyone, with Kathy Riva. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Norma Jean. So before the break, we were talking about um, emotion and anger as women specifically, but how to process emotion, how to like get up in there. You talked a little about the sumo walk, which I'm definitely going to incorporate into my life, like sumo. Um, And what are some other things that you can offer as ways for people to process emotion? I think, truthfully, the biggest practice that's helped me Mm. is just take at least 30 seconds every morning, like I said, in the shower, at your bed, when you first wake up, and just kind of ground yourself in your body. Just check in with your heart, with your neck, with your your ankles, like just check in with your body, ground yourself. And then at night before you go to bed, Mm -hmm. if you lay just completely like with your back on the mattress or however you sleep. And take some breaths in, three breaths before you go to sleep, and then just put an intention of how you want grace to come into your life and show up to help you Mm. um, before you go to bed. Those two things have changed my life just by grounding and asking for, you know, help. Uh, And then look, some simple things to process emotion, feel them and, and take courage in allowing them to be felt and then hold the space for others to feel their emotion. That's a big one. Oh, I like that. That's really good. Yeah. It's so interesting because as, you know, as Westerners, right? Like we're both from the U S it's one of those things where a lot of the time we're, we're taught to, to distract ourselves or to suppress how we're actually feeling. And it's so important sometimes just to just sit and be with the feeling, right? right? Like, thank you, anger for showing up. Thank you, loneliness, for reminding me I'm single, you know, like That's right. whatever it is. But it's so important to just and recognize what that is. Emotions are like text messages. Emotions are there to give you messages for how your life could be lived differently or better or, or that you're doing something perfect. So when you get these little messages, these pings, I call them, mm-hmm. they usually happen in your heart and your gut center. Mm-hmm. And then... To listen to those is to have that kind of most fulfilled, juicy life because the emotions are messages that allow you to find your truth, that allow you to be living your purpose, kind of to help serve the world. Okay. So it's like a signpost. You're going the right way. You're going the right way. No, you're not going the right way. Make a U-turn. Make a left. Make a right. That's right. Keep going. It's a GPS. 
Okay, I like that. Yeah, it's your emotions the are the GPS. It's an emotional GPS that if you learn to follow it, and I'm on the, the road, the journey uh, that's led me to Bali. So, so far it's working out for me pretty well, but not every day is uh, is perfect. No, because we're human. Most days are actually not perfect, but Bali has been magical. And Norma Jean, I can't thank you enough for like this um, clarifying interview for me and for, yeah. for just Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on, on Stay Wild. Um, So where can people order their joy box? Where can they find um, find your stuff and read about Celebrate Every Day? So joyboxes.com is the site for joy boxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Instagram, I'm Celebrate Every Day. And Facebook, I'm Kathy Riva. So find me wherever feels good to find me. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, little humans, here's today's toast poem. It's a bit unrelated, but I wanted to share it anyways. Here we go. I will welcome you in the only way I can, with love. My heart will open, see the magic in the world, and share it with you. All I can offer is this, full, uncompromising love, with a capital L. With no agenda, no expectations, I will offer you my world up on a silver platter. I will try not to be offended if you deem it too shiny or wild, too damaged, scratched, scuffed, or heavy, for it cannot change. I cannot change. Big thanks to Kathy Riva for coming on the show today. I hope you enjoyed today's toast poem. And all of Kathy's links are available in the show notes. Um, and until next time, little humans, please subscribe, share the show, write us a review. It helps other people find the show. The podcast is brought to you by me. It's a, it's an endeavor that I bring you guys. So please support my art, like the podcast. And so we can keep it going until next time, little humans. Stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.